Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. Uh, this discussion is going to be on Mosiah chapter 26. This one may be a little longer than the last couple. The last couple you got out of class early, didn't you? All right, verse 1. Now it came to pass that there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin, being little children at the time he spake unto his people, and they did not believe the tradition of their fathers. How could the children not believe the words of King Benjamin? Because of agency, these children choose not to believe the gospel. President Romney said, The major reason for the world's troubles today is that men are not seeking to know the will of the Lord and then to do it. Rather do they seek to solve their problems in their own wisdom and in their own way. The Lord, in the first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, pointed this out and marked it as one of the causes of the calamities which he foresaw coming upon the inhabitants of the earth. Listen to this ringing declaration. They have strayed from mine ordinances and have broken mine everlasting covenant. They seek not the Lord to establish his righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way. Verse 2, they did not believe what they had what had been said concerning the resurrection of the dead, neither did they believe concerning the coming of Christ. True doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior. The study of the doctrines of the gospel will improve behavior quicker than a study of behavior will improve behavior. That was by Boyd K. Packer. It is one thing to teach ethical principles, quite another to proclaim the great doctrinal verities which are the foundation of true Christianity and out of which eternal salvation comes. True it is that salvation is limited to those in whose souls the ethical principles abound, but true it is also that Christian ethics, in the full and saving sense, automatically become a part of the lives of those who first believe Christian doctrines. It is only when gospel ethics are tied to gospel doctrines that they rest on a sure and enduring foundation and gain, fully, fully and, and, and gain full operation in the lives of the saints. That was Elder McConkie. <clears throat> when a generation of young people grows to maturity without a proper doctrinal foundation, whether because of parental negligence or through rebellion on the part of the youth, then a foundation has indeed been laid, a foundation, unfortunately, for faithlessness and immorality. Such appears to have been the case in the days of Alma. The rising generation grew into adulthood without a tie to the theology of their parents, without that saving and settling witness of the Savior and his gospel, which has been the focus of the teachings of King Benjamin. And that was by Millet McConkie. Verse 3, And now because of their unbelief they could not understand the word of God, and their hearts were hardened. Those given up to a spirit of doubt and unbelief cannot know the things of God. The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven are made known to those who have a believing disposition, those who are diligent and obedient in keeping the commandments. And they would not be baptized, neither would they join the church, and they were a separate people as to their faith. They did not associate with the people or things of God, and remained so ever after, even in their carnal and sinful state, for they would not call upon the Lord their God. Mormon's editorial comment that those apostates would remain apostate ever after is to highlight that there will be some exceptions to this. Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah will be those exceptions that he will highlight later. These apostate children were probably influenced by some other religion that would have been dominant in the area. This may be the same group that persuaded Sherem and other apostates in their day for so many children to have been persuaded to not believe their parents' religion. There had to have been some other strong influence upon them to counteract the influence and teachings of their own parents. And that may have been the uh, 
Now, that other group of people that uh, that believed uh, the things that Sherem did. Verse 5, And now in the reign of Mosiah, they were not half so numerous as the people of God. But because of the dissensions among the brethren, there must have been a problem among the leaders of the church to cause others to fall away. They became more numerous. This new religion or lack of religion was becoming more and more attractive to the younger generation. It may be that they were becoming wealthy. <clears throat> Verse 6, And it came to pass that they did, re they did deceive many with their flattering words who were in the church and did cause them to commit many sins. Therefore, it became expedient that those who committed sin that were in the church should be admonished by the church. Those in the church who sin must be properly dealt with within the church. This was more than just a difference of opinion on religious beliefs. They were sinning. It may be that they were performing sacrifices for the wrong reasons or in the wrong way. Verse 7, And it came to pass that they were brought before the priests and delivered up unto the priests by the teachers, and the priests brought them before Alma, who was the high priest. This is like being brought before the bishop and then brought before the stake president. Those called to serve as shepherds of the Lord's flock in all ages bear a weighty burden in regard to admonishing the church in paths of righteousness. The common judges, those set apart to sit in judgment upon transgressors, are duty-bound to confront sinners and invite them to repent and come unto Christ. When sins go unchecked, the Spirit ceases to strive with the church as it might. The Spirit of God would undoubtedly be so grieved that it would forsake not only those who are guilty of these acts, but it would, it would withdraw itself from those who would suffer them to be done in our midst unchecked and unrebuked. And from the president of the church down, throughout the entire ranks of the priesthood, there would be a loss of the Spirit of God, a withdrawal of his gifts and blessing and his power because of, of their not taking the proper measures to, to check and to expose their iniquity. <clears throat> president John Taylor said, I have heard of some... I have heard of some bishops who have been seeking to cover up iniquities of men. I tell them in the name of God, they will have to bear them themselves and meet that judgment. And I, and I tell you that any man who tampers with iniquity, he will have to bear that iniquity. And if any of you want to partake of the sins of men and uphold them, you will have to bear them. Do you hear it, you bishops and you presidents? God will require it at your hands. You are not placed in position to tamper with the principles of righteousness, nor to cover up the inf infamies and corruptions of men. Verse 8, now King Benjamin had given Alma the authority over the church. In other words, there was a separation between church and state, and it came to pass that Alma did not know concerning them. Alma was fairly new to this society, having been hidden for a time with the church members. But there were many witnesses against them, yea, that the people stood and testified of their iniquity and abundance. Now there had not been any such thing happened before in the church. Therefore Alma was troubled in his spirit, and he caused that they should be brought before the king. The nature of their sins must have been that they were disrupting the normal social fabric of the community. And he said unto the king, Behold, here are many whom we have brought before thee, who are accused of their brethren, yea, and they have been taken in diverse iniquities, and they do not repent of their iniquities. Therefore we have brought them before thee, that thou mayest judge them according to their crimes. But King Mosiah said unto Alma, Behold, I judge them not, therefore I deliver them into thy hands to be judged. Mosiah determines that this religious diversity does not affect the operation of the society and tells Alma to deal with them in the church. In other words, to try them for their church membership, but not their social freedom. And now the spirit of Alma was again troubled, and he went and inquired of the Lord what he should do concerning this matter, for he feared that he should do wrong in the sight of God. Since this was a problem that had not been dealt with before, Alma does what every good church leader does, and that is to ask God what to do. And it came to pass that after he had poured out his whole soul to God, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, Blessed art thou, Alma. God doesn't answer Alma's question immediately, but here shows his support for Alma as the leader of the church. 
and blessed are they who were baptized in the waters of Mormon. This is showing the truth of the fact that Alma held priesthood authority to conduct the baptisms. Thou art blessed because of thy exceeding faith in the words alone of thy servant Abinadi. And blessed are they because of their exceeding faith in the words alone which thou hast spoken unto them. We are blessed for following our church leaders. Special blessings accrue to those who accept the words of the gospel without stubbornness of heart. And blessed art, thou, blessed art thou because thou hast established a church among this people, and they shall be established, and they shall be my people. They have entered into the covenant and are God's people. Yea, blessed is this people who are willing to bear my name, for in my name they shall be called, and they are mine. King Benjamin put the people under covenant to take upon them the name of Christ. Here the Lord is confirming that these people do belong to him. Verse 19, And because thou hast inquired of me concerning the transgressor, thou art blessed, thou art my servant, and I covenant with thee that thou shalt have eternal life. And thou shalt serve me, and go forth in my name, and shalt gather together my sheep. Alma's receiving his calling and election made sure. Elder McConkie said, Those members of the church who devote themselves wholly to righteousness, living by every word that proceedeth forth from the mouth of God, make their calling and election sure. That is, they receive the more sure word of prophecy, which means that the Lord seals their exaltation upon them while they are yet in this life. Peter summarized the course of righteousness which the saints must pursue to make their calling and election sure when they, when then referring to and then referring to his experience on the Mount of Transfiguration with James and John, said that those three had received this more sure word of prophecy. Joseph Smith taught, After a person has faith in Christ, repents of his sins, and is baptized for the remission of his sins, and receives the Holy Ghost by the laying out of hands, which is the first comforter, then let him continue to humble himself before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and living by every word of God. And the Lord will soon say unto him, Son, thou shalt be exalted. When the Lord has thoroughly proved him and finds that the man is determined to serve him at all hazards, then the Lord will find his calling, then the man will find his calling and election made sure. Then it will be his privilege to receive the other comforter. To receive the other comforter is to have Christ appear to him and to see the visions of eternity. Then back to Bruce R. McConkie. Thus, as the prophet also said, the more sure word of prophecy means a man's knowing that he is sealed up unto eternal life by revelation and the spirit of prophecy through the power of the holy priesthood. Those so favored of the Lord are sealed up against all manner of sin and blasphemy except the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost and the shedding of innocent blood. That is, their exaltation is assured, their calling and election is made sure because they have, been, they have obeyed the fullness of God's laws and have overcome the world. Verse 21, And he that will hear my voice shall be my sheep, and him shall ye receive into the church, and him also I will receive. Ye are called to, to bring to pass the gathering of mine elect, for mine elect hear my voice, and, no, and, and harden not their hearts. Verse 22, For behold, this is my church, Christ is the head of the church, whosoever is baptized shall be baptized unto repentance, and whomsoever ye, shall, ye receive shall believe in my name, and him will I freely forgive. Those who enter into the covenant will receive a remission of their sins. For it is I that taketh upon me the sins of the world, for it is I that hath created them, and it is I that granteth unto him that believeth unto the end a place at my right hand. The right hand has always had the connotation of the good hand or the covenant hand. The word left comes from the word sinistra, which becomes the English sinister. 24. For behold, in my name are they called, and if they know me, they shall come forth and shall have a place eternally at my right hand. To know the Lord, we must serve him, obey his commandments and ordinances. And it shall come to pass that when the second trump shall sound, then, then shall they that never knew me come forth and shall stand before me. And then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, that I am their Redeemer, but they would not be redeemed. 
And then I will confess unto them that I never knew them because they were not his, because they never took upon themselves his name in the covenantal waters of baptism. And they shall depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. These are sons of perdition. Charles W. Penrose said, There is one class which will be different from all the rest. They shall be brought forth, the Lord says, <clears throat> but they will go back into their own place. They would not receive that which they might have had. <clears throat> they would not obey that which they might have obeyed. They received the light and the truth and then would not use it in the way that God had appointed. They would not go on unto perfection by keeping every word that proceeded forth from the mouth of God, but prostituted the power of God, the power that God had given them, <clears throat> to rise to the highest heights, but sunk down to the lowest depths, denying the truth revealed to them, shedding innocent blood, consenting to the death of Christ, thus sinning against the Holy Ghost and becoming so corrupt and abominable that they cannot be redeemed. But they shall be brought forth from the grave and become subject to the devil and his angels in eternity. What is their end? We do not know. Nobody knows. The Lord says some people are inquiring about the end of, the, of these sons of perdition. The Lord says no man knows it, that the end thereof and the height and the extent and the depth thereof no man knoweth. But it, And if the Lord does not reveal it to some, he shuts up the vision. If he does reveal it to some, he shuts up the vision. What then is the second death? Why, the Lord tells us what, what, it, what that is in his revelation in the 29th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. It is eternal banishment from his presence. He is the source of light and truth and power and glory and happiness and joy and dominion and increase forever, of which they will all be deprived. Being shut right out from the light, these shall go away into outer darkness where no ray of light comes, spiritual or physical, no ray of light from sun or moon or twinkling star, or even a comet to be in outer darkness, and no wonder there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, to use the scripture expression. Verse 28, now the Lord is going to answer Alma's question. Therefore I say unto you that he that will not hear my voice, because they are not his sheep, the same shall not receive, ye shall not receive into my church, for him I will not receive at the last day. Therefore I say unto you, Go, and whosoever transgresseth against me, him shall ye judge according to the sins which he has committed. Each sinner is dealt with differently, depending on a variety of circumstances and facts. And if he confess his sins before thee and me, and repenteth in the sincerity of his heart, him shall ye forgive, and I will forgive him also. President Kimball said, by virtue of his call and ordination and setting apart, the bishop also becomes a judge in Israel and has the responsibility of making many decisions which affect the progress and development of his people. He gives direction to their spiritual activities so that he can give them opportunities for growth and judge their accomplishments. He decides as to their worthiness and eligibility for certain blessings and privileges. He holds the key to all temples in the world, and it is he who must turn that key to open the doors thereof and that they may go through eternal marriage. Uh, to eternal life. <clears throat> he has the keys to the storehouses and must decide if one is eligible through need and worthiness to be given welfare assistance. Numerous suggestions have come from many sources in the years past that the bishops should be trained in social work to be able to meet the demands of the people in their numerous needs. But the brethren have never felt that would be the answer. In the Church of Jesus Christ, the leaders have no formal academic training for their positions but gain experience through their lifetime and they depend much upon the Spirit for guidance. It would be unrealistic and untrue to state that all these young men are perfect men or perfect bishops. They are mortals subject to the whims and weaknesses common to their fellows. They are not all as wise as Solomon. They are not as personable as President McKay. They are not all as kind as President George Albert Smith was. 
but as I have known thousands of them personally through a half a century and more, I am astounded <clears throat> at the power and strength and dignity and goodness and ability of these young men. <clears throat> that was President Kimball. Verse 30, Yea, and as often as my people repent, will I forgive them their trespasses against me. One of Satan's most cunning ways to lead men on in wrongdoing is craftily to make them believe in the, useful, in the uselessness of repentance. I have gone too far to repent. There is no forgiveness for me. That is not true. Uh, the Lord said to Alma, And as often as my people repent, will I forgive them their trespasses against me. Of course there is forgiveness for everyone, for it, for it were for if it were not so, God's great purposes would fail, and this we do not believe. The poor sheep may be lost in the wood, hungry and helpless and cold, hunted by the wolf, falling over the precipice, but the good shepherd is on his way and is looking for it, and will find it, and it will take and will take it into his arms and will carry it to the fold and will rejoice with the lost, that the lost is found and the dead is again alive. That's from Reynolds and Schottel. Verse 31, And ye, ye shall also receive... Forgive, and ye shall also forgive one another your trespasses. For verily I say unto you, he that forgiveth not his neighbor trespasses, when he says that he repents, the same hath brought himself under condemnation. <clears throat> President Kimball said, remember that we must forgive even if our offender did not repent and ask forgiveness. Do not follow the, that commandment, or do we sulk in our bitterness waiting for our offender to learn if to learn of it or to kneel to us in remorse. No bitterness of past frictions can be held in memory if we forgive with all our hearts. 32. And now I say unto you, go and whosoever will not repent of his sins, the same shall not be numbered among my people. They will still be part of the community, but not of the church and covenant of God. And this shall be observed from this time forward. This is done even in our day. This shows that God directs the work through his prophets. And it came to pass that, Al that when Alma had heard these words, he wrote them down. So Alma's writing the general handbook of instructions, that he might have them and that he might judge the people of that church according to the commandments of God. And it came to pass that Alma went and judged those that had been taken in iniquity according to the word of the Lord. Mormon makes it clear that Alma followed the Lord's directions. And whosoever repented of their sins and did confess them, he did number them among the people of the church. And, whoso, and those that would not confess their sins and repent of their iniquity, the same were not numbered among the people of the church, and their names were blotted out. As the bishops and state presidents decide what to do with transgressors, this principle is a key to wise judgment. And that's from the church, and from the church handbook. There's lots of instructions that we receive uh, regarding disciplinary councils. Dallin Oak said, In contrast to the punishment that is intended result of the judgment of a criminal court, the primary purpose of church discipline is to facilitate repentance. To qualify a transgressor for the mercy of God and the salvation made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ, church discipline is not an instrument of punishment but a catalyst for change. The major concern of the laws of God is to perfect the lives of his children. President Kimball said, The Lord is on your side, and you must remember that numerous people are saved by excommunication. They are not lost by excommunication. They are saved through excommunication. 37. And it came to pass that Alma did regulate all the affairs of the church, and they began again to have peace and to prosper exceedingly in the affairs of the church, walking circumspectly before God, receiving many and baptizing many. And now all these things did Alma and his fellow laborers do who were over the church, walking in all diligence, teaching the word of God in all things, suffering all manner of afflictions, being persecuted by all those who did not belong to the church of God. This is telling of the difficulties in the church because of the unbelievers. Mormon will tell more about that later in the next chapter. And they did admonish their brethren, and they also were admonished, and every one, of, every one by the word of God according to his sins, 
or to the sins which had been committed, being commanded of God to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all things. I'm wondering if all this work that Alma's doing is causing him to be uh, not mindful of what's going on with his own son and the sons of Mosiah, which we'll read about soon. I bear testimony of the truth of the gospel and how uh, the gospel is there to help us and to bless our lives by keeping the commandments and helping us to be happy. I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.